listening to Horror Nerds at Church, a ridiculously queer podcast where we take a deep dive into a horror film and talk about how it connects to queerness, religion, and theology. I'm Emily. I'm Pastor Emily, and I'm Steve the Grasshopper. Yay! And I am Pace, and I am the mini-pack of Stay Puft Marshmallows that becomes alive and sentient. Um, yeah. Those are my favorite, honestly. They're so cute, aren't they? So, how's life? How are you doing? I'm doing okay. I am do- recording are you this. Staying puffed. <laughs> uh, actually, I just took an edible, so we'll see how <laughs> puffed I get. Um, but I am. Re- we are recording this during my writing retreat. Uh, for working my dissertation, so we'll mm. so hopefully by the time this episode comes out, I will have made significant progress on my dissertation. Nice. So fingers crossed. Um, that's the big thing going on in my life. What about you? I am today, as we're recording this, finishing up my first ever role for sermon TikTok, which is ridiculous and super nerdy and. I'm ridiculous and super nerdy, so it works really well. But um, pasted amazing visuals for um, the series, and I'm excited to see what happens with it and when Pace might be a guest on. Me too. I'd love to. I'd love to. Uh, Yeah. I'm I'm thinking right now, at most, I can do like one a month because I'm actually preaching every week. But I'm thinking in June, if, since it's June and Pride, um, that I might invite a friend to do one. I love to preach a super queer sermon. Yeah, I figure I figure I might hit you up for that. So Yeah, like my Transfiguration sermon, which y'all can go and listen to at oh any point. Gosh. Seriously, though, if you have not heard their Transfiguration sermon... You need to. <laughs> oh, thank you. Phenomenal. Thank you. I'm excited to see your first role for sermon, though, as well. Uh, it was a. F- I will tell you because you're you, and our listeners will already know if they've seen the thing. But, um, it was five minutes of prep time. So. Mm-hmm. Cool. Based on that, I was like, I, th- I think I hit it out of the park. But usually, I have much more than five minutes prep time. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, check, check out that. It was out on the Diaconia YouTube that those will be posted, or where would those be posted that people can find them? I know your TikTok you're posting previously. 
I will post them on my from my TikTok, and the Diaconia TikTok will probably repost them because you can repost now. Um, but it should be out before this episode comes out, so we can also link it in the show notes. Nice, nice. It's well fancy. Fancy, fancy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Speaking of the wonderfulness of this show, <laughs> of this podcast, what do you think about that 46th episode i mean where did we really (laughs) hit our stride yeah so the character name podcast in the film and yes apparently he does have a real name um the director and actor confirmed it's just we don't hear it in the film so maybe his real name will be revealed in uh the sequel that's coming out later this year but yeah um he and both he and Ray say that the podcast hits the stride in the 46th episode. Mm-hmm. So that encouraged me to look back at HNAC's backlog and see where we were on our 46th episode, which was our Friday the 13th retrospective, which if um, our listeners have been there from the start, you may remember season two is the season that kind of fell apart mid-season. There's a change of hosts and all the stuff that was happening, uh, life stuff that was happening, uh, just so much going on that season. And so for, our 46th episode came out way later than, like three months later than it was supposed mm. to. And it was just a mess. Um, but then I was like, but our 47th episode is the episode where a certain person joined the podcast just for one season as a guest co-host. Just for vampires. Just for vampires. (laughs) And, of course... They left after that season, and we never heard from them again. Just kidding. That is, of course, was Emily. So we can say... My origin story. Yes, yes. So I think we can accurately say that HNAC hit its stride in its 47th episode. It took one extra after podcast, podcast to do it. But it's because we're just so extra as a podcast. It's perfect. No, I don't. Now, for listeners, that does not mean that the epi- seasons one and two you shouldn't listen to if you haven't yet. Please go listen to them. They're fun yes. and all that stuff. It's just 40, the 47th episode is where we got our current awesome co-host. So mm-hmm. that's our why current, it's extra well, special. And our current like whole configuration started taking shape in a different, in a little bit of a different way and kind of settling into things. So, yeah, our, I, because I co-host two podcasts i also looked up nerds at church and that was um our our 46th episode was our episode where we did a deep dive into biblical cussing so sounds fucking rad yeah (laughs) we just had a teeny bit of cussing i don't even know if we cussed i'm trying to artificially make myself cuss right now just (laughs) to like insert it in and it's not working um we are not an explicit podcast so you didn't hear cussing on it except for the biblical cussing like brood of vipers and stuff Um, do you talk about what is it scubala or whatever is the term for shit in greek um i don't it it was a year and a half ago uh so i don't remember all of the things we talk about um yeah but i know we talked about like Quite a bit. 
it was the I think it was the it was the week that we had the um, Sierra Phoenician woman in Mark, mm-hmm. who Jesus mm-hmm. calls a little bitch. Yep, yep. Um, so that was that was we were like, hmm, let's talk about cussing because so many yep. Christians think that you can't cuss, and actually, no, cussing is normal. And then, so it is Philippians or Philemon? What is P H I L in both of but, them? That's that's not helpful. I'm one of those three eight. Um, it says oh, that's Philippians. Okay. Oh yeah, because Philemon's only one verse <laughs> one or one chapter. Um, yeah. So Phi- Philippians three eight is the verse that has scubala, which is um, most please most bibles translate as dung but it should be shit indeed i regard them as shit as paul says all the <gasps> things that he did okay pace we should have <laughs> recorded this episode last week the, why the passage for roll for sermon was philippians 3 ah see there you go but i already preached on it so i didn't talk about that you could have talked about shit. It would have been so fun. I know. You just talked about different shit, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. That's hilarious, though. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so, uh, don't really have many announcements. Our season is slowly winding down, but you can, of course, check out, if you haven't by now, our season six video video about what's coming next season which will be star wars and aliens so that will be linked in the show notes you can check that out mm-hmm. um yeah i think that's it for announcements oh this this episode comes out june 1st so happy, happy pride, pride everyone yeah yeah so check out our merch store because oh my gosh yes thank you for there. that there's so much fun queer merch in there horror is queer and then you can also get like queer nerds at church and stuff like that yeah all sorts of variations a mug somewhere that says queer nerds at church and there's like pillows and oh it's so many delightful things it's like bi nerds at church trans nerds at church Mm -hmm. gay nerds at church all of them so ace nerds at church i'm pretty sure so check that out in our merch store i am saying this here that why don't you just go ahead and check it out because there'll probably be a new pride theme merch up there that i'll put up there because why not i have no life i can just throw stuff together and put out there exactly exactly i'm sure that (laughs) like how you're saying exactly yes pace you do have no life (laughs) (laughs) okay that is not what i was saying i am confident (laughs) in our ability to get some new merch design out there if nothing else i feel like some version of like a rainbow Ghostbuster-ish logo or something like bare oh. minimum. I was thinking, I I'm not gonna promise this, but I was thinking how fun it would be to have like Freddie and Jason making out <laughs> and say horrors at church or horrors queer or something. I don't know. Yeah, we'll that see. Would we'll also see. Work. That would also work. You are brilliant and artistic. And art oh, thank is you. frequently a stress outlet for you. So, like, mm-hmm. I have confidence that, like, it'll help you balance your life. To- you have confidence that I will have so much stress that I will need to 
do outlet in creativity. It's day one of your writing retreat for your dissertation. My my writing retreat is not stressful at all so far. Just starting today, it is day job and other things that are stressful. So, yes. Um, yeah, but yeah. you got to go back to the day job eventually, so. Yeah. 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 So, you know, check out our store. There'll be new merch up there. I don't know what it will be yet, but it'll be up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so, I guess we can get into the movie we're covering today, though, which is Ghostbusters Afterlife, directed by Jason Reitman. It came out in 2021. When was the first time you have seen this film, Emily? For this podcast, I actually watched it two, twice in the last week because the second half of the first time I was watching it, I was a little bit more distracted and I didn't take any notes. And so I was like, I should maybe take notes. And then I realized that I didn't take any notes because it's basically like Gozer 2.0. And I was <laughs> like, this is the same plot. Yeah. Have you ever noticed that? When movies come back with a long-awaited sequel after over a decade, they just retread the first plot, like Force Awakens is an example, where it's like, oh, let's blow up this entire planet-destroying base. Oh, that's That's not similar to anything at all. Yeah. (laughs) So, that's a common thing. Yeah, but I was just like, uh, okay. Um, But, so it was for this podcast episode and in fact the first time i had heard of in any sort of tangible way this movie was when we were already in the middle of doing this podcast season because yes. i was like not totally aware that there was another ghostbusters after mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. third and best one so. It came out in November 2021. It's not like there's like a global pandemic or something yeah, happening. I, was, so. I had just like moved, quit a job, quit two jobs, moved across the country, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not stressful. It's right. Nope, not at all. Not at all. I saw this one for the first time mm. in theaters. Ooh. And I wore a mask and stuff. Don't freak out y'all but and i I would go in the middle wearing a mask and i appreciate you also like naming that you wore a mask because i think yes and i also would go to the theater so this was what back when i had amc movie pass which i do not have anymore now that i moved out of the dc area and it's harder to get around since i'm down to one car and stuff but um so basically could see however many movies i'm it was three movies a week for 20 bucks a month which is really nice and because of that i would usually go during the day when there would be hardly anyone anyway Mm. and i just go wear my mask and hang out watch a movie and so i put off seeing this one though for a long time because it came out in november like i said and i probably didn't see it till february oh wow because of loyalty to ghostbusters 2016 i was really like pissed that they didn't continue that iteration mm-hmm. and i was like i'm still pissed about that well yeah. yes yes we'll get into that though um but um but i by that point i had heard enough people saying that this was like a really good and faithful and intentionally like 
diverse cast and stuff like that in a way that the other films were not. And so I was like, okay. And I love Paul Rudd as an actor, and I knew he played a significant role. So I finally just sucked it up and saw it. Mm-hmm. And I actually saw see, coming out of theaters, I was disappointed but now i've seen this movie like three or four times since then each time i like it a little bit more so i don't know what that means um we can talk about that a little bit more but overall uh overall even the first time i saw it i still thought it was a decent entry and stuff so but anyway no need to take a shot though for me because obviously it came out after s12 <laughs> that would be impressive though like pull a back to the future and... right i would love to cover back to the future on this podcast the, like like but i said it has to be time travel horror there, there is but beyond that lake house yes oh my god <laughs> but also um if you go back and listen to our ghostbusters 2016 episode with special guest brooke mclean one of the th- things that you will hear in that is pace and emily kind of coming up with an idea of horror nerds at church presents so um so stay tuned for something like that coming down the road where we might have special um guest co-hosts or something do stuff a little bit outside of the norm for the podcast and back to the future would be great for that too although it is horrifying i just watched the first one recently and i'm like this is so gross and creepy i know i've seen parts of it just like flipping through channels on tv but i don't think i've ever actually seen the movies zero percent surprised (laughs) this is emily Right, right um but yeah i I think it'll be interesting. Also, a great way to like help make Horror Nerds at Church Presents more likely to happen is by becoming a Patreon supporter. Because the more Patreon supporters we have, the more ability we have to do the stuff we need to do to make sure that everything is more on time. It's more sustainable for the podcast. Yep, yep. Decreasing our stress is only good for you. I mean, it's good for us too, but like, it's only a good thing. If you want lots of new merch, though, apparently you need to keep my stress high. But beyond that, (laughs) I think you did that to yourself a little bit. (laughs) Maybe. Um, (laughs) Anyway, we can get into the background, though, for this one, I guess. Um, Do you have any background, Emily? Um, This came out. Through the course of injustice and the cancellation of the best ever Ghostbusters. <laughs> okay. And its sequels. Okay. That's all I know. <laughs> okay. I don't have any. We just code for. I no. I have no background. Um, <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, um, as we talked about in the last Ghostbusters movie, there's a long development hell for the third film. Uh, so eventually they got around to releasing the Ghostbusters video game in 2009, which was effectively the best they could offer for a third entry. Mm. It's set in the early 90s, basically has the original four Ghostbusters joined by a special new person, which is the player, um, who is being the new recruit added to the team. And it was considered canon. Um, but part of the reason for them never creating a third film with the in the original continuity was... Bill Murray just did not want to return. Uh, mm-hmm. Harold, Harold Ramis died 
in 2011, 2012, somewhere around there. And so when that all that stuff kind of came together and they decided to reboot Ghostbusters instead with the remake, um, and that was Ghostbusters 2016. Which is the best <laughs> Ghostbusters. Okay, okay. Um, but as we talk... I've actually seen them all, so I yeah, can see yeah. that with an amount of authority I did not previously have. Yes. Uh, but the f- failure of Ghostbusters 2016 at the box office, primarily, as we talked about, for sexist reasons, of course, mm-hmm. um, led to them scrapping plans for a sequel to that film and um but there were there were some and i'm gonna say legitimate but within air quotes because it's impossible to separate sexism and misogynoir and stuff from the hubbub around that film and yet some of the stuff that fans of the original series did complain about um were that they're tired of reboots, they're tired of origin films, they wanted something set in the original continuity, which is something that Ocean's 8 did. Ocean's 8 was another gender swap, but Ocean's 8 was still set in the original Ocean's 11 continuity, even though it featured an all-wood cast. Um, so, But also, once the first one is there, then they, the next movie was not going to be an origin story movie it was yeah. going to be a continuity it still would have been in its in a separate continuity from the original though so if you wanted to yeah, see what happened to the original fault. guys yes true true um Grumble, so Grumble. yes <laughs> ivan reitman's son ivan reitman was the original director uh and he also helped co-author the first two scripts uh he his son jason uh, basically took over the reins and wanted to continue the original franchise as a way to honor his father, but also Harold Ramis, who has mm-hmm. since passed away. He also wanted to avoid the reboot issue. So, um, and to be clear, uh, Feige, Feige, we never figured out how to say his name, who directed 2016 Ghostbusters, said that Jason and him got along very well and that Jason was a huge supporter of 2016 and wanted to continue that energy of anyone can be a Ghostbuster from that film, and but bring that into the original continuity. Mm. So choosing to focus on a diverse group of tweens who are now Ghostbusters. Um, so this is a direct sequel to the original Though it lightly incorporates elements from Ghostbusters 2 in the video game, it is unclear if those are still part of canon, though. Mm-hmm. Um, a fourth film coming out this year focuses on Winston's character teaming up with the new group. Time. Right, right. So Winston will be kind of... It, it's not much has been really revealed about the plot other than Winston will play a huge role as well as returning four tweens who are the Ghostbusters. Um, All and, four of them? Yeah. Interesting. How do they? Fascinating because they all live currently in Oklahoma, except for Winston, who just bought back the fire station in New York. Yes. So the next one is going to be set in New York. It's not clear what's all going to happen. So we'll find out this uh, when this movie drops later this year. But Winston character in the new group, and it and it. Is also said that in addition to Winston becoming super rich, which they talk about in this film, uh, mm-hmm. Afterlife, he also is said to have his doctorate, which in that case, mm-hmm. um, 
in the video game, Winston was Dr. Winston. So fans are hopeful that Ghostbusters 2 and the video game are still part of the continuity and that this film will show them to be so. Why would Ghostbusters 2 not be part of the continuity? Because... Like, what would the argument for that be? Because that doesn't make sense to me. Like, I get the, like... It's a video game, it's harder, blah, 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 but, like... Ghostbusters 2 was panned by critics and audiences alike, so when this film came out, it was marketed as a direct sequel to the original. Uh, it still has minor references to the other ones, but, it's, but it seemed like they were just kind of mostly ignoring the events of the film and of Ghostbusters 2 and also the video game. Uh, to focus on directly referencing the first film. And that went well. It's just now fans are like, you know how fans of franchises can be. What is continuity? What is not? We need to know. And my answer is it's continuity if you want it to be. So, like, why the fuck do you care what the studio says? Just make it your own continuity. But that's just pace. I mean, my question is going to be if it is back in New York, where does the third Ghostbusters fall in that is there i mean we've got marvel and all of them doing alternate universes right Mm -hmm. is it possible that in fact that was an alternate universe and in the universe of the original ghostbusters it happens and instead of being like these random character there is an answer for this believe it or not part of the thing there is an answer for this, mm-hmm. which we talked about in our 2016 Ghostbusters episode. And we'll talk about in more, greater detail in our retrospective. But there was a comic book series that says Ghostbusters 2016, the real Ghostbusters, and the Ghostbusters film and video game are three different universes. And the universes collide in the comics, and they all team up together to fight a new ghost okay. sort of thing. I could be on board with that. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I wanted to say, since we all know Sony listens to our podcast and Jason oh, Reitman listens to our podcast. I mean, Sony, Sony Music listens to one of the church services I lead on Facebook. Well, there you go. Because they market as like terrible every time, no, <laughs> including they market as copyright infringement every time. Mm-hmm. In- not every time, but a lot, including the ones where literally there was no music. That's wild. That's wild. But yes, yeah. since Sony clearly listens to our podcast and Jason Reitman does as well, here's my advice for y'all. You don't have to have a crossover of the different continuities as cool as that would be, but at least have the four gals from Ghostbusters 2016 cameo in a way similar to the four originals cameoed in Ghostbusters 2016, just to show that you support it and you're happy for the their entry being part of the greater Ghostbusters universe mm-hmm. and to kind of make those references. That's yeah, it. It's easy. Because if you don't, there's a lot of us. That are just gonna be super pissed. Yeah. And it's set so. in New York, so it's not like the Oklahoma one where like it wouldn't make sense for them to necessarily show up in Oklahoma, right? Yeah. But it's yeah. New York. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So anyway, <laughs> that's it for behind the scenes. We can now get into Which was this like half movie. behind the scenes of the like next movie. Yes, yes. Which we will um, any franchise that we cover, whenever a new movie releases, it's kind of been the unwritten rule, uh, rule so far that we will cover 
that movie as well. So when Ghostbusters, which has yet to be titled, Ghostbusters 2023 comes out, we will cover it at some point. Probably not in theaters, but when it hits home video, we'll cover it. Mm-hmm. So you'll get a chance to listen to our thoughts on that one when it comes out. Yeah, um, you will. So. Uh, so, yeah. Um. Yeah, but then we can, you know, roll through the film with some of our favorite episodes, least favorite episodes. I did have an actual moment in watching the film where I was like, wait, is this Gozer (laughs) 2.0? Like, I know I said it in the background Mm -hmm. thing, but like, legit, that was a question I asked. And then as I was rewatching it this afternoon... I was like, yeah, it's basically Mm -hmm. just a redo of the first one, though Gozer's outfit, pretty cool. Mm -hmm. I like Mm -hmm. the outfit. Um, But yeah, it's got the same like Aztecs and Sumerians and like ancient racism (laughs) stuff. Yeah. 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 So, you know, so much for no more origin stories and no more reboots. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I do like how this one starts off where, like, it starts off with that little scene featuring he's completely shadowed, so you can never see his face. But mm-hmm. I think most people who've seen the originals assume it right off the bat that this is Egan Egon it's following. Um, Harold not. Remus. Well, maybe Emily didn't, but many pe- <laughs> like, many viewers probably did. Eventually I like figured it out pretty quick. But but yeah. I love after that, it just completely transports us to a different location and we meet new characters. Mm-hmm. And we don't even see the original surviving Ghostbusters until the very end. And I like that. I like that. I thought that was really well done. I love getting introduced to new characters and the like in this one and kind of following along as they solve the mystery of like, what was Egon doing out here in middle, where was it? Oklahoma, Nebraska, somewhere in the Great Plains. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was like this, I think it was interesting also, it's always interesting to me, like how you portray people who are like how people when people die and their character is not supposed to be dead yet like what happens with them whether it's like in the west wing when leo's when the actor who played leo died mid final season right before like the election of him as vice president um and how they navigated that and that shifted significantly the plot of that season but like star wars i kept waiting for general organa to die in star wars in the set in the second of the new newest trilogy i kept waiting for her to die because she had died and they didn't kill her in that series and they brought her back for the third movie and then so it was like okay did she actually like how much did they even change anything they changed significantly. We'll get into that there. But she had completed filming for the second entry, which is why that one, she does not die in it. But she died before filming the third one of that trilogy, which is why they had to do extensive rewrites and use quite a bit of archive footage of outtakes from past films. They just kind of... <laughs> it's so weird. It's so poorly done. Because, like, 
characters will be having conversation and then we'll like switch over to Leia who just like says one sentence and switch back to the characters. And it's so clear that like they just found, went through all the um, excise scenes and found whatever, whatever they could salvage and just cut it, splice it in there in a way that doesn't always fully make sense. So, yeah. yeah. Uh. But so it's, so it's interesting in this, <laughs> yeah in this one, because this one, from the start, the plot was that Egon had died. Mm-hmm. Um, well, at least the plot had to be that Egon was not alive because the character, the actor, yeah. was not alive. Um, but then they did this, like, you know, you can't see the person, and I, the, I was like, why can't you see? And it makes sense when you're like, oh, mm-hmm. right, Harold Ramis dead. Um, yeah. but then he like comes back CGI ghosted and it's yeah. not great. <laughs> it's yeah. really poor CGI, but I prefer him whatever. as the like Casper ghost yeah. version when he's invisible, just invisible and just like moving stuff and mm-hmm. pointing mm-hmm. people. In the way. Also, as we were watching this movie, Emily was disparaging Paul Rudd's characters teaching skills for summer school and saying who would just show scary movies to summer school kids and my answer is Pacewood I absolutely would I would absolutely show Cujo to a bunch of kids and stuff in summer school so but like, I I am much more on his vibe I mean to be fair I my understanding of the point of summer school is you didn't pass a class and now you have to take it over which is thrown off a bit by like phoebe who's a kid genius mm-hmm. being in summer school but like that seems like an alternative to babysitting or something but yeah as we talked about my summer school experience was going to the community college that was in columbia where i grew up had summer school classes that they offered and mm. and a lot of them were like classes that you can retake uh to get credit for and stuff if you didn't pass it but others were like to get ahead on a subject and some were just for fun and so one of the ones i took just for fun was a class on the classic monsters <laughs> so we watched the original dracula we watched the original mm-hmm. frankenstein movies like that it was really yeah. fun that was the type of summer school pasted <laughs> that's fantastic summer school though and i am zero percent right. surprised that you did that as your mm-hmm. summer mm-hmm. school that's yep. awesome yeah yep. also i really thought when um who, which one's the older grandchild What's his uh, name? This is why I always have the Wikipedia pulled up. I, I don't. Have I was going today. to try to, and then I didn't. <laughs> uh, Trevor, played Trevor. by Finn Wolfhard. Yeah. So when Trevor takes the Ghostbuster mobile out for the first spin and is like driving through cornfields or wheat fields or whatever, and just like wrecking the crops, I was like, "Are they gonna like make it?" I really. What I think they should have done is. To then like zoom out and do an aerial thing and have it have made either a crop circle or like the Ghostbusters logo or the Ghostbusters logo as a crop circle. <laughs> That's a little I bit think... willing suspension for disbelief I that mean... he just randomly is making this. This one is clearly trying to like ground itself in reality in a way that all three of the movies that came before it did not. <laughs> That's one distinct details, tone shift here. Details. <laughs> but you're like 
like just making chaos in a cornfield, of course we're gonna think crop circles. Like, mm-hmm. or Jason showing up and burning down the cornfield, like in Freddy versus Jason. That would be another yeah. fun thing. Like, yeah. or like he just turns the, the corn, corn style. Ooh, yeah, like, yeah. There are some so murderous many kids options. show up. He who walks behind the rose shows up and just like murders everybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pops pops out of the ground and yeah. yeah. Um, something that I really am still not sure what I think about is Carrie Coon's character of Callie Spangler, uh, the mom mm-hmm. role in this is. Mm-hmm. Like, her advice to Phoebe is don't be yourself, which is said as a joke. But, like, it's clear that she doesn't, it's clear that, like, she does not, she even says this, that she doesn't know how to connect with Phoebe. She doesn't know how to help Phoebe um, make friends or any stuff. She's very much this neurotypical mom trying to get her daughter to act more neurotypical. Mm -hmm. I found that very problematic and gross. And when... Her daughter is finally starting to feel like she's fitting in. Her mom turns it into her own trauma with her dad and saying, I'm glad you are feeling like you're fitting in, but this is my issue and why this isn't okay. And it's like, I get you're a single mom. I feel so bad, but just like. You should have had therapy. Right. You're taking out on your kids. Mm -hmm. It's just. So I. In many cases, I think, oh, wow, she's being a great mom. And then on other. Some other times, like, oh. I'm not sure I agree with those choices. Yeah. Yeah. And I I had that too. And there's a like I mean, there's a lot in how they portray characters, especially with respect to gender, um, that gets weird. And that's like, um and and so that's partly um when she's like I don't know how to Phoebe. What Phoebe? Mm-hmm. And it's like Go to therapy. Mm-hmm. At least acknowledge that you don't know how to to interact with your child because mm-hmm. you have been harmed and experienced trauma from your dad leaving you for science. Right. And this is like the generational trauma that we see unfold on the screen. Her dad was a horrible father. I don't give a shit what the film tries to redeem him at the end. I'm not buying it. He still is a shitty father. So now she has trauma that she is passing on to her own kids because she hasn't dealt with it herself. And so it's like, come on. Yeah. Come on. We can do better. And I definitely want to get into more um, his role as a person with a family. Yes, definitely. In our um, deep dive, I think we should. Yeah. But yeah, I the my favorite point for her in terms of parenting is when she's like back from being the gatekeeper or the key or whatever. Yeah. And she's like asking all these questions and telling these like, and they're like, we already know all the things we already know Mm -hmm. all the things. And then, um, and then at one point she said that she's like talking about all this stuff and, and that he had like pictures of her, which is Mm -hmm. creepy and does not redeem him at all. Um, and then the son says, we really want to hear about it, but we're kind of trying to save the world here. <laughs> and she's like, okay, cool. I'm in. What can I do? And they're like, that is a hundred percent the appropriate parental response because yeah, because and that is what, what I mean. you should do. There's a lot of stuff in her where 
in this movie where I'm really vibing with her. And like, I love her laid back parenting approach. I don't mm-hmm. think there's anything wrong with that. I want to be clear. Like, I think she's funny. I think the way she interacts with her kids is really funny and sweet most yeah. of the time and yeah. stuff like that. So I'm all on board with a lot of it. It's just some of those <laughs> weird scenes are like, mm. yeah, it's, it's the exception to the, all parents are awful. Like for the most part, no, she's actually good, but just that, that particular part. Poverty's character, Gary, I also think is great with Phoebe in particular, mm-hmm. but I just love, and, but with all of the kids. Yeah. Um, he just, I, and it's played for a joke and stuff, but like, I just think it's kind of funny. His like science is cool. Science is like about defined boundaries. And it's like, I just love this outlook on science. I don't particularly agree with it. And some science needs boundaries and ethics, which is how we get things like hair, um, Harriet Lack, the mortal life of Harriet Lack and stuff like that mm-hmm. and testing on people poor and especially black people and stuff like that. Not yeah. okay. But like overall, I just think his view of science is really fun and it can be cool yeah. and adventurous and That's also in my signed up for my deep dive. Oh, I do think like his awkward, like there is an artificial acceleration of their relationship that is like just you expect relationships to artificially accelerate in movies because you have X amount of time to have mm-hmm. a relationship or develop a relationship. But this, like, literally they're on their first date and then he's, like, trying to tell the kids some sort of, like, parental advice, admonishment. And it's, like, <laughs> if that had been, like, someone that one of my parents was dating at that age, I would have been, like what the fuck <laughs> like mm-hmm, no mm-hmm. um and and then it and then later it accelerates because they have sex without knowing it like neither of them consent or no but um yeah i will say though i love that this movie makes it explicitly plain that's what happened whereas the first movie tried its hardest to dance around it this one is like nope they had sex <laughs> that was what happens yeah yeah. So I did think it was funny that it was like Walmart and I was remembering my college days, right? Walmart, the place mm-hmm. to hang out in rural America since yep. I don't know, whenever it was where I hung out in my small college town that only had like four red lights and a Walmart and that was about it. Yep. And I mean kudos because many stay puffed marshmallows happen there. Right, right. It was fun. It was fun. I'm all for marshmallows destroying Walmart. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I think we're probably ready for a deep dive at this point, Ben. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. There's one thing I wanted to say quick before mm-hmm. that, which is the post credit scenes, both of them, Ooh. I adore. First of all, the scene between Annie Potts um, and Ernie Hudson, Janine and Winston. I just, mm-hmm. I, I love that scene and how okay. it kind of is building towards the sequel. Okay, but the the coin thing, I did not, neither time did it quite make sense to me. Because it wasn't the same person that he was giving the coin to, right? Janine, Janine gave Egon a coin. I didn't think lot. that was her. It didn't that look was like her. her. Yeah. Okay. Janine gave him a coin for good luck. And then he, from the first film, the scene in the first film, and he says... I'll give it back. And she says, no, I have a second one. And then it fast forwards to present day where she is holding the second one, presumably. Oh, okay. Um, that makes more sense. I 
so the other thing about this is because they don't name at all like where parents are in any of this like i was trying to like and i didn't recognize janine right i didn't recognize her in that it was from the first movie i was like Mm -hmm. this i don't um i was trying to figure out like if that was like a hint as to who he had kids with and then i also like throughout was trying to figure out like what happened to like phoebe's dad and like Right. There's a line in there about how he was no good kind of guy who ran off, but Right, that's but it. like it it just like there's And I, then we never meet podcast parents. Like he even gets arrested and it's like his parents don't even care. Yeah. It's like cool. Yeah. And so it's like those things where I'm like, I get that like you don't have to have like a whole fully developed, really intricate and involved parental story for all of the characters but like something right and we also have no idea who Callie's Spangler's mom is either that's not yeah. referenced at all yeah, so that's, did that's her why I was like die? To figure it out with the coin I was like is it this person with the coin and then she yeah. had it and I was like wait but I didn't think that was the same and yeah so lots of questions and the then but just the other post credit scene i love sigourney weaver showing up as dana and she's <laughs> it doesn't make it okay because what um what vankman did is still disgusting and gross yeah. and but i love that she's doing it back to him and like tasing tasing him or electrocute whatever him mm-hmm. extra because of what he put those kids through yeah. and stuff yeah. just very funny yep Particularly, like, he marks the cards, and she's like, wow, you're actually doing the thing. And then she's like, you marked the card. Like, she mm-hmm. knows. and Yeah. Like, yeah. That, they were both really cute. And it the first time that we were watching it, when it came up with, like, plus special appearances by or whatever, and then it said Sigourney Weaver, and I was like, did I miss this? And then it immediately cut to that yeah. scene. And yeah. I was like, okay. So that, I thought, was, like brilliant very well done agreed mm-hmm. um and yeah the missing ki- the missing parents for the kids is weird uh what else oh so another question i have for the sequel if if it if ghostbusters 2 is still canon is what happened to dana's son so um i know in some scripts during the development hell of ghostbusters 3 um her son was going to play a big role as like one of the main characters or something like that. But then that never happened. And then Ghostbusters 2016 and then all this other stuff happened. But what? I'm just curious what happened. What if, cause this is how movies work. What if he's the deadbeat dad? <laughs> He'd be kind of young though. Cause he was an infant in 1990. So this movie, so he would have been, 30 30 something and Callie <laughs> Callie Spangler is significantly older it doesn't mean she no, couldn't be younger or anything how old is she uh let's find out uh well if she, her oldest kid is 15 she would have had to have been 15 to have had that kid which is a little young not impossible but it's just but Carrie is 42 in real life so she's probably about a decade older than dana's son would be um Hmm. 
Which is, which is still possible. Well, because part yeah. of it too, right, is did Egon have a kid in the second movie already? Oh, so you think that... Right, like, there's a whole thing of, like, of literal timing that, like, mm-hmm. if he had a kid... See, this is why the second movie might not be canon then, because... Because some the of these issues quite right. but he could have had a kid who knows he could have had like a kid in college even in one of his many doctor programs before the first movie came out yeah because uh, he's clearly a deadbeat dad so it's clear that he wouldn't have been involved in this kid's life during ghostbusters one or two if he had a kid at that point so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, yeah. it still fits anyway anyway now i can do deep dive though awesome Yay, deep di- deep theological discussions of the day. Yes. So, pet peeve we get right in the beginning. Oh my gosh, yeah. And then again, on, on tattoo form, is I hate it. And then I, the reminders throughout every time yes, we pass that. Spot. I loathe it drives me up a wall when i see people call revelation the book of revelation saint john revelation revelations with an s i have some compassion for lay people who are not theologically educated and who call it revelations because that's what the conservative Left behind series this, groups. This oh. is why I don't have compassion because it is pe- the people who interact and engage with that media <laughs> that call it revelations. I have issues with all of us who have the education and have not properly taught anything about it because many, if not most, pastors are terrified of talking about revelation at all. Because of the Left Behind series, because of a lot of reasons, but among them, the, like, Left Behind, ah, scary. So then, what the fuck are, okay, this is going to be a conversation that we can probably do in a mini-sode down the road, because it deserves its due time. But, like, then what the fuck are pastors doing in these congregations if they're not educating people? Like, that's literally their role, is word and sacrament. Part of the word is the education of what the word is and means. Yeah. Um, Come on, people. There is a lot of research that the Revised Common Lectionary is actually, like, not conducive to better biblical literacy. So that's part of it. Um, Kay and I actually did a deep dive for Nerds at Church into Revelation last year um, for our second Easter episode. um, Because people don't know and people are unfamiliar. We'll probably cover one of the left behind movies on this podcast at some point too. So we can do a deep dive into that too. (laughs) Yeah. But, but part of it is like this combination and Susanna and I have talked about it a lot, but the combination of lay people getting upset with clergy for certain things or clergy just preemptively. A lot of it is a certain generation of clergy, not being accountable to the harm that they caused by not doing their job, by not having hard conversations, which then creates this cycle where, particularly in predominantly white churches, right, where lay people then expect to go to church and not be challenged 
and not have thought-provoking conversations and not be called to address the evils and injustices in the world. And so then when pastors do, pastors get in trouble because lay people think that you shouldn't because pastors in the past haven't. It's this vicious cycle that like sucks for those of us who are pastors who want to have those hard conversations because we're not set up for success to do it anymore unless we are creating a worshiping community or a faith community from scratch. And I see you other roster leaders who are not pastors too, because I know you're doing a lot of this work as well. And me as a layperson, I will just say yes. this, one of the reasons I don't want to be a pastor is legit because of this stuff, yeah. this bullshit. Cause like, there's a lot of reasons I want to be a pastor. Maybe that'll be a real life church horror story. I share in a minisode one day, but mm-hmm. like, I, yeah, I, and, I feel like it is my duty as a lay theologian to educate. And that's why this podcast exists among other things. Like I want this six figure education that I'm going to be spending the rest of my life paying back. I recognize as a privilege that I need to share what I learned there because if I don't, what the fuck was the point of me doing that and putting all that money in there and time? And and, th- and that's that's part of the origins and like what Kay and I talk about for Nerds at Church is to make theological concepts and biblical literacy and biblical scholarship accessible to lay people who have not gotten the full education. Um, and I, I think I will just say like, I know I said pastors, I'm specifically talking about pastors because it is a cycle of pastors doing this then mm-hmm. lay people responding to that for other pastors and i think there's okay, a different kind of flexibility for deacons and even for like theologically educated lay people right like i would i love the parishioners who encourage that deep thinking who appreciate mm-hmm. it who mm-hmm. give feedback on it and say that they like it because not everybody does that but I think because deacons have so frequently well, been just like cast aside in the church, <laughs> there's like a different I'm also sort of thinking freedom to like ecumenically too, because I know in like the Episcopal and the Catholic churches, deacons have a role that is much closer to pastors. And so I could yeah. see some of these cycles, especially with Catholic deacons. I've been involved in enough Catholic churches over the years to just know that. Many of the Catholic deacon, there are great ones out there. I know you, I see you, I mm-hmm. love the work you're doing. But many of the Catholic deacons I've encountered are trash. Yeah. <laughs> Absolute trash. Yeah. So. Yeah. But yes, definitely the ELCA in particular, the way that they just sweep aside the deacons and the former rostered roles that have now become deacons. Um, yeah. Like and the deaconess community in particular, but the diaconal, the lay, all of them. Yeah, and there's there's like progress being made, but it is slow, it is few and far between, just as with all groups that have been marginalized by the church. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but yeah, so, dear That's listeners. That's a fun tangent. <laughs> revelation, not yes. revelation. You heard it here, revelation. Always revelation. Um, also, why does Ray have it tattooed? I have no fucking idea. Because he like specifically says he did not believe Egon, and yet he still has the tattoo of Revelation six twelve. Right. Also, please share what Revelation six twelve is because yes. you put so, it in the notes. Thank you. So in um, 
in I just got this from the NRSV, um, but I did forget to who's opening the seal. Okay, the lamb, which many people interpret as being Jesus, but um, so Revelation six twelve says. Uh, when the Lamb opened the sixth seal, I looked, and there came a great earthquake. The sun became black as sackcloth. The full moon became like blood. Yeah. So, and sackcloth, as in sackcloth and ashes, the thing you wear when you're in grief um, or repenting, that sort of thing. But. And I feel like, so one of the things I loved is in the credits of the film, it talked about how they were consulted with um, seismologists and were thankful, thanking the seismologists who helped explain like the earthquake to them. They did not thank any theologians or biblical scholars, which mm-hmm. is clear by them calling it revelations. But also, it's pretty to me. It's pretty clear. That I'm pretty sure someone just typed into Google earthquake references and revelations <laughs> since this movie has earthquakes. Found that and like here we go. Put it in there. <laughs> Because it yeah. makes no sense. Like, okay, cool. Yeah. Kay and this I have to do with anything. just went on a rant about this um, in the episode that just came out today, our episode on ecumenism, um, and gave some un- unsolicited advice. But, like, no, it's legit. People think that they, because they have a particular cultural understanding of Christianity from, like, their childhood – they don't think that they need to have any sort of consultant when it comes to anything theological or religious. And like, I know that it is a like church nerdery pet peeve, right? And Pace and I have ranted about funerals <laughs> and all sorts of things, but like, it's, it's not that hard. None of us get paid shit. Like it does not cost that much. And half the Mm -hmm. time, we would do it for free just to, like, have our name in the credits of a movie or a show. But, like, really, you could pay me 30 bucks an hour and you're already paying me more than I make in my professional job for which I have a master's degree. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pick us. Yes. I'll be your concert. Consultants, <laughs> but you should actually pay people more than thirty dollars an hour to do this sort of work. True. If you want somebody who's working on a terminal degree in the field of theology, I'm your NB. <laughs> so I was gonna say, really, you could contact diaconia the diaconia faith collective, and we could take care of you on any number of consultancy things like this, from tech and music and theology. We got, we got you. Um, kind of also along the lines of them clearly not caring enough to do the research about real religious items and stuff. The Aztec death witch soul, kind of as Emily was saying in the beginning, just like, let's just call on Aztec and Sumerian religion without actually checking if it's real and making out. But the Aztec death whistle is a real thing. Its exact purpose is unknown, but of course Mm -hmm. is just kind of put into the film as let's make up, um, Ancient civilizations are decimated by colonization. Make up whatever we want. Um, mm-hmm. The theme of many horror and occult movies. And I'll put a link in the show notes from discovery.com if you want to learn more about the Aztec death whistle as it really existed. Nice. Yeah. Um, we already talked some about sexism, but I think it lends itself into the science conversation because they're like the default de facto assumption 
for the movies is still rampant sexism and toxic masculinity, right? Like, mm-hmm. you're a mom, you live for us. And it's supposed to get laughs, but it gets laughs because people actually still believe that that is true today. Um, and then, like, when the first thing that the kid does is like, ooh, a cute girl, I'm going to go, like, try to get a job so I can flirt with her and date her and, like, all of the comp heading that's, like, they just mm-hmm. pair every literally everybody gets paired up in this and i was just like i uh. i don't think i don't think phoebe and podcasts had any romantic anything though i don't think they did but they still got paired up that's true. right it's still as friends up. yes because they're 12 <laughs> okay wait until the fourth movie comes out and we'll then see, we can we'll see. see but even if they're not romantic right like the pattern is established okay one okay. boy one girl one boy, mm-hmm. one girl, one boy, one girl. Um, and the like, you should borrow my hoodie. It's really masculine. It was my boyfriend. And he, all of a sudden he's like creeped out by like. Mm-hmm. So, but that brings us to when we talk about science, so much of science is based so heavily in sexist assumptions about the world. Like there's literally a species of lizard that it took like 11 years for scientists to discover because there are no males in it. And so the scientists just didn't think it was possible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's like a study that happened with deer where they thought that like there were a bunch of male scientists. They observed the deer and the deer would graze and graze and graze. And then one deer would like head off in a particular direction and everybody would follow it so they're like ah the alpha deer well what they missed was as everybody was grazing people would like look up in different like deer would look up in different directions and once the majority of the deer were all looking up in the same direction then the one deer would head off but it was a group consensus building model of where are we going next Mm -hmm. um and so, like, the the concept of, like, science is pure, science is absolute, science is flawed, and science is human. Yes. And one of the things that we, we had um, Ross Blotcher on for our Jesus Camp episode, and one of the things I love about their podcast is they, since they combat a lot of pseudoscience in the work they do, they have to walk this very thin line of saying, we should trust science, and also we recognize that science can be flawed in these ways. So they have a really cool way of articulating that, that um, definitely check out their podcast for um, as they do that. But one of the things that I like is that the scientific method in itself is built right into the, to the way that science functions as a methodology of understanding the universe is that the assumptions we make, if they are challenged by what we are observing in the world. It, the scientific method forces us to change our assumptions. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the things that I love about science. But as, but, but actually, sorry, Gary, science is not pure, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> science is not I absolute. Did. Science changes and is dynamic yeah. and moves and grows. I did love his comment that science is reckless. It's punk rock. Like, I thought that was really good and really on point because I think there is a like science is actually legit pretty cool. Um, yeah. and what they were doing <laughs> was definitely reckless. Um, right. 
they had no plan afterwards, any of that. But it was, it, yeah, it 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 is punk rock when it's yeah. like that kind of science or like a lot of the kinds of science that um, doesn't get enough credit mm-hmm. for being cool. Uh, I also love the quote, which you put in here too as well, that safe science is the safety pins and the nipples of academia. And I want to disagree and say, no, that's actually queer theory is the safety pins and the nipple of academia. Yes. But yeah. beyond that, I love that idea. That was fun. Yeah. I, the first time you said it, I was like, what? <laughs> Agreed that it is queer theory um, is much more than the safety pins and the nipples of academia. Oh Yeah. But it's it just, I, I love that, like, that energy. We get that in all four of the Ghostbusters movies. And I love that in this one and in Ghostbusters 2016, that it is a woman who is embodying this recklessness and fun and wild and ex- mm-hmm. wildness and excitement of science. So it's Phoebe in this one. It was Holtzman in the last one, but I yeah. just love that. And Egan, of course, has it in the first two, but... Egan's problematic for all the reasons we've said in those two movies and also this one. So Yeah, yeah. Speaking of Phoebe. Yes. That kid is amazing. My Mm -hmm. favorite character by a long shot. I was so excited for you to watch this one because I knew that Phoebe would be up there for you. I love her too. She's great. She's fantastic. Like she decidedly does. And she is a great embodiment of the scientific method, right? Like she Mm -hmm. doesn't believe in ghosts. She's never seen proof. She's never seen any of that. She doesn't know who her grandfather was. Um, And then like she starts playing chess with a ghost Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. like she takes what she observes and she reorients her perspective and she reorients her hypotheses and all of that. Um, and she has some of the best jokes, like the best jokes. Oh, I disagree with you on that. I think it's <laughs> cute, but I love that. I, we were watching this. One of them. But we were watching this with a few people, and every single one of the jokes, we're all like rolling our eyes, like, oh, this is bad. But I was like, I think this is a great joke, actually. It's like, you would, you know. Right. Well, and it, like, okay, the only joke that I actually knew was the what do you call a fish with no eyes right like um i thought the hamster joke was hilarious the one that particularly got me though was when um she was talking to gary to mr gruber or whatever um about triangulation and that it had three sides and she was like i just thought you were being obtuse And then has this, like, wink that is is just perfect. And I was like, yes. Like, comic genius. And Gary gets it and laughs and thinks it's legit funny, too. I will say that one is cute. They're they're all cute, but that one is funny. I'll give you that. Yeah. The only one I think that's funny, but... Well, and there's also the, like... the, The comic genius is also, like, when she's talking to Zool to Gozer Mm -hmm. and is like are you prepared and Gozer's like are you prepared to die and she's like no I'm 12 and then the the thing is finally in place and she's like are you and then zaps Um, yeah yeah. so it's just like there's just like so much and she 
And it's all like, she's very, she's extremely self-aware. I think she's very much autistic coded, like coded autistic. Um, And she's so self-aware. And part of it is like the injustice of having to be that self-aware because her mom is not. Right. And the world at large is not. It's something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so like there, there is that space where I'm like, I love that she like, Tells her mom, no, you've just never been good with money, but you're really good at other things. And like, mm-hmm. I think it was pancakes or French toast or something, yeah. like whatever food, um, grilled cheese. I don't yeah. remember what it was, but like she, where she like th- that sort of like just clarity and openness and like, ah, uh, she's just fantastic. Yeah. And I mean, as you said, Phoebe's clearly coded. She even has a line in there about processing emotions mm-hmm. and showing them differently than neurotypical people. Yep. Uh, but yeah, but I also think that Phoebe, of course, coded autistic, but I'm pretty sure podcast is coded ADHD. <laughs> and I love that about him. Yeah. He is like so hyper fixated on so many things. I love mm-hmm. it. And just goes from one thing to another. So distractible. Yeah. Adorable. Yeah. Um. Um, the other thing that, like, I kind of wanted to talk about, um, is, like, morality and ethics. Mm, Let's get into it. Um, because there is this, like, teleological pull that Egon has, which is, teleological is, like, the ends justify the means, right? And so he... Yeah, Maybe in ethics, but not in like philosophy, oh. teleological, something different. What is it in philosophy then? It, it still is about the ends, but it doesn't have the inherit the ends justify the means. So, so I'm I'm not an ethetician, so I, I fully acknowledge that I, I do mean, not I'm going know from teleology. My, like, college Christian ethics course. So. <laughs> I so I totally um like defer to you on te- teleological in ethics but in philosophy in general and in theology it's not about ends justifying the means so much as the end result is what um things kind of naturally build to so by studying the now you're studying the end or by studying the end you're studying the now and it's kind of this philosophical connection that comes out of yeah greek philosophy and stuff not at all what i learned in ethics class um (laughs) but so in ethics terms at least um the teleological perspective is that it is the end result that matters and there and the way that you get there is less important and deontology (laughs) is kind of the reverse that like it matters how you get there you can't just like erase um the the way you get there you can't get there through murder and then be like yeah see we got there um and so that that particular dynamic then is for egon he clearly has a teleological perspective in terms of like Mm -hmm. he abandons his family his friends everybody that counts on him for the quote-unquote greater good um Mm -hmm. and and so there's like is that an ethical choice? But also there's the like, do you have the right? Right? Because Phoebe says this. She's like, he sacrificed everything for this, even us. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's, mm-hmm. which then raises the question, 
do you have the right as a parent to sacrifice or abandon your family, particularly your children, for the sake of some greater of saving good? the world? Yeah. Like what? And that's kind of, yeah. Where is that balance? That's kind of interesting too. Like, especially now that Superman has a son and stuff like that. How do you balance the power and privilege of being Superman in the world with the capacity to do good and bring about justice for so many when you also have to focus on being a family man, I guess. Yeah, like um, you, when you bring children into the world, consensually, there is a responsibility. Mm-hmm. And so like... But, but that's also the issue with this, is it presents it as a zero-sum game. He had to choo- make a choice between two things. And that choice was he either had to choose his family or he had to choose the greater good. When literally he could have he just communicated mm-hmm. to his family and said... I am doing this research because it will protect you and the entire world. Mm -hmm. Let me communicate to you. Let me communicate it to my friends. Like the wild thing to me about his, like abandoning all these people is he literally just need to take a video camera, record what's fucking happening in this mountain to Gozer Mm -hmm. and send it to the Ghostbusters and they would all believe him. Yep. Send it to his family. They would all believe him. Why? Like, I just do not understand this. And that's kind of shown, like, Egon is clear, is um, coded as neurodivergent. I'm pretty, like, in the first two films, is Mm -hmm. autistic and stuff. But there's this level of, like, almost sociopathic lack of empathy he has Mm -hmm. that is some, in, um, which films, frequently gets miscoded. That's what, as that's what I'm going to try to say. Yeah. yeah, it's frequently miscoded as autism, but that's not at all the case. It's, as Phoebe says in this, yep. it, she it's, expresses these things differently. It's Big Bang Theory, right? Yeah. Sheldon's an asshole. Not yes. because he's autistic. He's just an asshole. Yes, exactly. And same here. But like the way he does experiments without people's consent or just plays mind games mm-hmm. like he was doing with Dana and Ghostbusters 2, it's clear that in spite of him having a wall of pictures of his daughter, he is not a good person. He yeah. is an asshole. And he's a terrible dad, right? Yes. Like following every picture you can and tracking down every picture you can of her and yet never being in relationship with her. Not even sending her a fucking card or calling her on her birthday or something. Like, like Jesus Christ, like, dude. I There's get no excuse. You have no money and are not paying child support. And that's bad. Yes. And also, there are ways to still be in someone's life. There are ways to, yes. like, work around it and work with it and all of those things. And he just... And that's where, like, there are different models of ethics and care. And I think it's Confucianism, if I am remembering my Southeast Asian religions course in college (laughs) well, um, that, like, one of the models is that your family unit is the center of your care. And so your primary responsibility is to your family unit. And then there's, like, concentric circles of care. And that is supposed that like care for your central family unit is supposed to inspire and influence care for the next larger circle and the next larger circle and the next larger circle. There's also 
a train of thought that's like, no, you shouldn't care more for your primary mm-hmm. circle than the rest of the world. Um, but yeah, so yeah. That's, it's just like all of these things. And then you get Winston, right, who says like he's a billionaire and Janine asks like why he did it or whatever. And he's like, I did it for my family. Mm-hmm. And particularly like as a black man to be a billionaire. Like yeah, yeah. there's a lot that had to be built up and there's, you know, all sorts of unethical things. Yeah, 100%. But But, his perspective is caring for those he is responsible for, those he has Mm -hmm. made commitments to first Mm -hmm. and then broadening. And that includes the Ghostbusters even. He like, he mentions that he's always going to be a Ghostbuster even if he's these other things in life too. He always pays Ray's rent. Yeah, yeah. And he like he truly genuinely cares about his chosen family, the Ghostbusters and stuff, he and his spile family. He probably would have covered Egon's costs for the property right? and all of that stuff. Like we know that Egon was in a like really crappy financial situation, but like he probably would have covered it for him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. But I just got one one time I like how you brought up the um concentric circles model and stuff and also um this is all fresh in my mind because of dissertation stuff i'm not going to (laughs) talk about the ways in which protestantism kind of changed the rules around family and serving god through serving family and stuff like that other than to just mention i've talked about before i'm naming it now that's Mm -hmm. also kind of ties in with this Mm -hmm. but i want to emphasize again it's not a zero-sum game it's one of those things like second wave feminism taught us. You can have it all. Uh, that's not necessarily a thing. But you really can do justice and do right by your family while also working for justice in the world. It's not a choice. It's not one or the other. It's not like you have to choose your family coming first and then choose the world second. You can choose both. Yeah. Like they can both be true to you and like and i'll say this because she's been a guest on the podcast before um i'm just going to shout out this person because she's very public with certain aspects of her or of their family life which is l dowd like and adam dowd do a really good job of showing these are the particular ways we care for our family these are particular ways we care for our black children and Mm -hmm. because of that it's connected to these liberative movements of justice for the black and brown community beyond just their children and bringing their children into that justice work too um which Mm -hmm. a lot of people might criticize as dangerous but like it's all part of working for justice you don't have to choose one or the other you can choose both so yeah that's my little rant on there but yes (laughs) no but that's really true and like this is you know a particular timing wise this is particularly poignant because um we yesterday was mother's day and Mm. the as we're recording this yes yeah and the the original mother's day proclamation by julia ward howe was a proclamation for disarmament right and she used that exact argument of like we mothers have to care for our kids and we have to stop our kids from killing other mothers' kids, right? Like that it is the real, the intimate and close relationship they have with their children 
that helps them be able to get into a like empathy place and into a like movement and justice place for other mothers whose kids are being are being killed by their kids and trying to kill their kids and like it's we can link to the original like mother's day proclamation in the show notes but um as you were saying that i was like this is perfect timing this is the exact thing because that's what she's talking about yeah 100 percent um and since i jokingly brought up superman that's one of the things i really have loved about the Superman as father arc in the comics ever since that started is that they do a really good job of asking these questions and using the character Superman to explore these questions. So anyway. Yeah. Um, let's see. Any else, any other deep dive stuff you have? No, not really. I mean, I thought it was hilarious that Evo was like, I'm going to create a monster and then expect to be equaled. And then it's like shredded and it's like, yep. Um, And Evo was a cameo that not many people, I don't think, mm -hmm. recognized of... uh, Crap, I'm blanking on his name. Um, 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 I did not recognize. I was like, I should should know who this is or something, but I didn't. J.K. Simmons, famous actor who is in things like La La Land, Whiplash, Cider House Rules. Uh, he played. He was in the Spy- Sony Spider-Man movies as um, the reporter guy, <laughs> who's Peter's boss. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of stuff like that. Jonah J. J. Jonah Jameson. That's the name. Mm-hmm. Um, in Sam Raimi's and uh, Spider-Man trilogy, and. Um, yeah, and he, I think he was on Law and Order as well, and stuff like that. So he's been in a lot of stuff. So I just love that cameo. I agree about the Evo stuff. It, I, I do like though how they tied it to the original film and for like, I like that of like he built the skyscraper in New York, and then mm-hmm. he just randomly came to the desert and built this shrine out here too, and stuff yeah. like that. It's like cool. Well, and like it, it does ask the, it does beg the question, which came first. Like, did he discover the selenium here in this Oklahoma town first and then build the skyscraper out of it as a like, ooh, I could do it in New York in this one spot? Or did he build the selenium and then figure out, huh, we don't know. Also, the other thing that I love is I think it was Phoebe's comment when they're like, um, when they're like looking through the jail for like the for the ectoplasm and not the ectoplasm, the proton packs and all of that stuff. And then she's like, it's just more stupid guns. And I was like, now that is a word. Yes. Yes. Oh, also a cab. I know it's a black cop and all that stuff. Uh, and it's, a, and it's one parent we see <laughs> for the other kids beyond Trevor and Phoebe's mom, but like still it yeah. doesn't matter. And, and like the way he's just, treating the kids disbelieve like all that stuff it's all part and parcel of he's he's like not even the worst cop like right but and yet he's still a cop yeah and he's still acting like one too Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so yeah like um, you can't actually hold kids like the legalities of holding kids against their will the parents don't know like there's not a lawyer or an advocate present with them all of that stuff um 
And also the one phone call thing is a myth. You can make as many phone calls as you like. It's true. There's no like. It's true. We had, I mean, it costs money. So yeah. it was like collect calls and you better memorize the number. Um, yep. But yeah. Prioritize calling a lawyer, of course, if you can. Um, or a mutual aid bail or fund. Or a mutual aid or bail fund or something like that. Yes, definitely. Yeah. But um, also, if someone tries to tell you that one phone call thing, they're lying to you, and it's a myth made up by Hollywood mm-hmm. that some police and cops, since ACAP, uh, try to take advantage of. So Yeah. Also, believe it. they don't have to read your, your Miranda rights anymore because the Supreme Court got rid of that last year when they got rid of a whole bunch of other rights. So It's true. It's awful. It's know shitty. your Miranda rights because they are still your rights, mm-hmm. even if you're not informed about them. Yes. One of these days we should do a joint, probably a joint episode with Nerds at Church and just kind of talk about a little bit of like, this is what you can do as a bystander. And these are the mm-hmm. kind of rights and things you should know. And if you're an activist, these are kind of things you should do. Yeah. Kind of thing. We could do like a mini-series yeah, exactly. on that. Yeah. Because we've done some on abolition because we had Eld out on for abolition. Our first, yeah. Okay. Ghost lore then. Dun, dun, dun. So um, apparently now we're like, how are we classifying ghosts these days? Because this was like when podcast was like, that's definitely a free floating metal muncher. Definitely class five. And I was like, yep. How are we using that same weird random terminology that Ray uses in the first, like just made up mumble jumble. Right. Like it's make up whatever you want and then declare it some class. Yep. And we don't know if class five is big is like deadliest <laughs> or least deadly or what it's it, yeah so um that also apparently ghosts are now blue not green which i'm okay with i like that color they were they were, they were most they were mostly blue in the original as well slimer was the one exception that's true I just green. love Slimer that much that I'm like yeah. and Slimer is said to be coming back in Ghostbusters 2023 whatever that one's going to be called so okay, we'll have to see what's the name of our free floating metal muncher is that muncher <laughs> muncher yeah okay. muncher um, I hope that muncher also makes an appearance because hopefully hopefully they um there is a reason because people of course Slimer's a fan favorite so everybody's asking why didn't Slimer make it in here because it's in Oklahoma exactly that's exactly yes. what Jason Reitman said he said this Slimer is a New York ghost it wouldn't make sense for him to be appearing in Oklahoma but when we return to New York he'll be there so yeah since this next one's set in New York we'll see Slimer I'm sure um, and also ghosts apparently can possess marshmallows and turn them into mini stay puffed men. And I'm here for right. it. It looks this, like a and, fun time, kind of gremlin style. Yeah. It didn't make much sense. <laughs> the first one, like it explained why they chose stay puffed. This one, like it's choose your own adventure, make your own it's, headcanon for it because it has no explanation. It just, just happens. because everyone loves the stay puffed marshmallow man. And so they have to figure out a way to get Stay Puff, Stay Puff Marshmallow Man into mm-hmm. the movie. Well, yes, but in universe, oh, it's choose your yeah, own fan, yeah. uh, choose your own adventure for why it happened, because who knows? Yeah, because they were marshmallows, not marshmallow men. Like, right. It's not a bag of little marshmallows. It's, but so cute. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Pace, rate the film out of 10 proton packs. What do you give it? 
I would give this one. This one's hard because the this one I actually have to wrestle with in a way I did not have to for the others. Mm -hmm. Because the first time I saw this in theaters, I was really turned off by the whole subplot about Egon apparently being a redeemable character mm -hmm. that I would have given this like a six out of ten. Like I was so yeah pissed about that yeah. like i remember like speaking to my ex as we came out of theaters like as somebody who has worked with a lot of people who have family trauma and stuff like this mm -hmm. it's like that i found that message absolutely harmful gross i was just so not having it but now that i've seen this movie four times or around there maybe five and like my initial reaction to that subplot has waned a little bit. It's still gross. It's still harmful. And mm -hmm. we called it out like we did here. But I can kind of enjoy the movie beyond that. Um, I'd probably rate it seven and a half, maybe eight proton packs. I really dig it overall. I really like the diversity. I really like Phoebe. So, and I love that they are giving Winston his spotlight, both in this one, like setting up for him to give it in the next one and stuff so yeah seven and a half eight out of ten proton packs somewhere in there nice nice um, my favorite kill oh, can i can i share that yeah kill or ghost my my favorite kill is ivo because he got what's coming to him <laughs> like as emily said like it's good how it's such a trope like you're never gonna get ahead dude just mm -hmm. why do you think killing the world and bringing about the reign of the woke demigod as they joke about in this movie. Mm -hmm. Also, something else I don't like when people joke about woke and stuff, especially regarding yeah, gender. Whole... No, thank you. But, <laughs> but yeah, I get it. Anyway, um, but, uh, yeah, not gonna happen. Glad that uh, I glad that um, not Zul, now I'm doing this. Gozer. Gozer, thank you. I'm know, glad that Gozer just rips just like, him in a half yeah. and it's done. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, it's hard. You're right. It's, like because the the key phrases are not the same as the like yes. who's who, and then I don't even I still don't know who Zul is. So Zul is the gatekeeper. Then who's the key? I don't think that the key had gotten a name. That's what messes me up because yes. there's only two names and there's yes, three. There's like Entities. one main character and two equal Side characters. Yes. yes. So thank you for helping me figure out why that is so fucked up every time. Um, yeah. 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 Okay. So real talk. Mm -hmm. If I could rate this just on Phoebe, I'd rate it a 10. <laughs> but Phoebe is not the only character. And she does pull it up a lot particularly with Elon, with the, like, same tired tropes, with the same exact thing rebooted for the third time. Um, but Phoebe, right? It's hard. Um, so I am giving it, okay, I'm going to be like you. I'm giving it an eight, eight and a half. I just couldn't decide between the two because part of me wants eight and a half, which sure. is like Phoebe, and part of me wants eight because of all the rest of the, <laughs> all of the rest of the movie um yeah so yeah. that's my reading um since there are all of two deaths two kills in the entire movie i am with you on evo being 
the like favorite kill. Um, my favorite ghost is Muncher. Not surprised. Muncher's cute. I like Muncher. Yeah, my and favorite- he helps save the day too. Yeah, my favorite ghost is definitely not Egon because that whole, like I get like I get the, the like he he figures out how to make sure he has a he is a ghost so he can help with that whole thing mm-hmm, and like mm-hmm. it appears that his unresolved issues are his abandoning his family because once Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. everything's taken care of he doesn't disappear he doesn't disappear until he gets to hug his daughter and we need to do like something about like the like redemption that just needs to be like a theme or something because we already have for our patreon subscribers we already have a um Paige was the guest co-host. We did a BooTube on redemption arcs and TV, and we talked oh. about a lot of the issues. And you were co-host of the podcast when this happened, so I'm surprised you don't remember this. You you weren't on the episode, but we talked about it because this was Christmas time when you were busy doing pastor things. Uh, and I was like, do you want me to just do a BooTube without you? And you're like, yes, that'd be helpful. I thought so. you were doing it on a specific TV show that I didn't know. We did it on redemption arcs in a variety of TV shows, and we talk mm. about them. So Buffy is one we talk about. We talk about Steven Universe, a few others. So. Yeah. Okay. Then, yeah, for our Patreon supporters, go check that out. I'm going to. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Oh, it's Christmas, so you get a pass. Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. <laughs> Um, and I didn't jump at this one, though our Patreon subs- supporters um, will know that it is, in fact, legit for us to have a jump tracker. We just haven't had jump scare movies, but we have on Patreon. So mm. if you want mm-hmm. to find out what movies are jump scare movies, support us on Patreon and you'll get to find I out. I am sure that our Patreon, uh, that our entire listener base, Patreon or not, will get their money's worth on the jump tracker when it comes to the alien franchise we're doing with season six. So I believe you and Patreon (laughs) will get bonuses because probably if alien is scary, predator also has jump scares. Yeah. Predator's a little bit more on the action side, but there's some scary moments. We might get jump scare or two there too. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Cool. Mm -hmm. Well, our next movie. Oh crap. I, I didn't do my due diligence. I, know, I, like, I don't even know. It's not listed on the like. We don't have the outline made yet, so I was like, I, I don't know. I yeah, don't know what the next three are. Have the season thing, which I need to check. One of them okay. is Ghost. One of them is Nope, and I don't it's know ghost. what the third one is. Okay. So we are next watching Ghost, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm excited for because I don't think you've seen this one. No, I haven't. I have seen the like. The scene, the iconic scene, is like a meme. So I know there's something about pottery, but mm-hmm. I have not seen the movie Ghost. So this was one I, of my picks where I was like, we have to watch Ghost. Um, I love this movie. It was this one or Field of Dreams, I think, were the yeah. two that were kind of debating for this spot. But I'm glad Ghost won out. Like I like Field my, of Dreams, but. You know, college heart that went to college, like my heart that went to college in Iowa. Like field of dream, but how do you say no to ghost? So yes, ghost, and then Candyman, which we're recording with people under the scares podcast, and then <laughs> note, which we're recording with Rob Pitts, yeah. and then our retrospective when we are done. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. 
for all the things. Yeah, and all these movies are coming out during Pride Month, so it's going to be extra fun. Yeah. Yep, yep. So, anyway, tune in for that. Uh, that's it for our show, though. Our theme music was by Matt May. Horror Nerds at Church releases every Thursday, at least until the end of this season. Please comment, rate, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. I'm adding Spotify because one of our listeners asked if we are on Spotify, and yes, indeed, we are. Spotify Podcasts, which is now yep. this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we're pretty much wherever you get your podcasts. If if you can't find us on a podcast network, just write in, let me know, gmail.com and I'll find a way to get us on that podcast network if it's possible. Yeah. So, But we're on most of them. Mm-hmm. Support us on Patreon and get access to exclusive movie commentary episodes, BooTube episodes, including that Redemption Arc one, mm-hmm. which is a great combo. Uh-huh. And more bonus content by going to patreon.com slash horrornerds.church. It starts at only $5 to sign up, so probably about the same price, maybe a little bit more expensive than a bag of Stay Puffed Marshmallows. <laughs> Follow us on social media, Facebook and Instagram. Definitely oh, way cheaper than getting evicted. That's for sure. And way cheaper than all the debt that he you left his family. Down on to yeah. So, uh, but follow us on social media, Facebook and Instagram at Horror Nerds at Church and Twitter at H-N-A-C-P-O-D for all the latest updates about upcoming films, news, and other announcements. Until next time, if you are a deadbeat dad... Don't think that just having a wall of pictures is going to get you off the hook, dude. <laughs> and also, coming back as the ghost yeah. made a really bad CGI. Not going to work. Yeah, no, don't do that. But if you haven't hit your stride yet, don't worry. You've got until at least the 47th. Yeah, at least the 47th. That makes me feel good since I am 38. So I have at least until I'm 47. 47. 47.